Welcome back to our weekly podcast. From 2015 to 2018, I was blessed to serve on staff at Westmore Community Church in Oklahoma City as their young adults pastor. I've shared before how I was bivocational during those three years, working as an estimator for my dad's construction company and serving as a young adults pastor. We've always considered Westmore our church home. That's where I'm from. The church was planted literally right next door to the high school that I graduated from, and I have a lot of great memories worshiping and serving there when I was a young believer. While there are several things that I appreciate about Westmore, one thing that has always stood out to me is their intentional focus on the family. At least once a year, Paul Cunningham, their senior pastor and a mentor of mine, preaches a message series focused on marriage and parenting. His sermons, they always hit home, and they equip God's people to build their families by God's design. Outside of his sermons, there were always classes offered to come alongside parents and families to further equip them in their God-given roles. Paul's example as a mentor and the church's example as a whole has encouraged me to have an intentional focus on the family in my own ministry. Since 2018, we've always had a message series or two each year about God's design for marriage and parenting. By God's grace, this is something that we're going to continue to do for many years to come because God's heart is for the family. I've heard it said that the family is God's primary method for spreading the good news of Jesus around the world and for passing down the gospel to the next generation. I believe that with all my heart. With the fall semester right around the corner, I felt like it was the right time to preach another series on parenting. I don't know about you, but I need to be constantly reminded about what God's word teaches about parenting and how God wants to develop my wife and me into the parents that he's called us to be. Our preaching theme for 2022 is persevering in relationships. We've talked about how God wants us to persevere in our friendships and how God wants us to persevere in forgiveness. We went through the New Testament book of Philemon. That word persevere or perseverance means to have persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. God wants us to persevere in prayer. He wants us to persevere in serving, using the gifts that he's given us. He wants us to persevere in our work. The Bible says work as though you're working for the Lord. And God wants us to persevere in our relationships, especially in our parenting which consists of some of the most important relationships that we have. Now, this is more of a rhetorical question, but how many of you feel like you have this parenting thing all figured out? If you were here in person, there wouldn't be a single person who would raise their hand. You know, we're not perfect parents. We don't have this thing figured out. But by God's grace, through the counsel of his word, by the leading of his Holy Spirit in our lives, and through the support of other believers in the church, we can grow to be the parents that God has called us to be men and women who honor God in our parenting and who raise our children to know and follow Jesus. While being a parent is absolutely a blessing, and kids are always a blessing, it's also really hard. It's often messy. And that's why I've entitled this series, Thriving in the Mess. Today, we're going to kick off a four-week series that I believe will give parents and grandparents some practical tools that'll help you thrive in the mess, that'll help you thrive in your parenting. You know, there are a lot of challenges, fears, and frustrations that come with being a parent. And while every home is different, it's not a one-size-fits-all model, 
I've come to learn that most parents share a lot of the same challenges, fears, and frustrations. We worry about things like negative influences in the lives of our children. We want them to build the right kind of healthy relationships with other kids and other adults. We often feel ill-equipped as parents, like we don't have what it takes to raise them right. And we struggle when it comes to balancing everyday priorities like work with the emotional, physical, and spiritual needs of our families. When I talk with parents who are struggling in the mess, not thriving, but struggling, the two most common answers for areas they'd like to grow are in the areas of patience and encouragement. A lot of parents want to learn how to be more patient towards their kids and towards their spouse. A lot of parents need extra encouragement if they're going to get through the day and be the parent that God wants them to be. I've been a dad for almost 13 years now, and that's really crazy to say. And throughout that time, I've learned some important lessons. One, many of us struggle with a lot of the same fears. We have similar frustrations when it comes to parenting. And two, we all know that there are areas in our own lives where God wants us to continue to grow. I remember the days when my wife and I only had one son. And I'll explain our experience with a sports analogy. In the beginning, Faith and I were able to use a tag team defense when it came to parenting. You know, we didn't have to use every ounce of energy that we had every single day. Well, when we went from one son to two, we had to make the shift from a tag team defense to a man-to-man defense. And this was doable, but it took a lot more work, a lot more energy. When we had three sons, we had to move to a zone defense. Now, when you're playing a zone defense, it's kind of like addressing the needs as they come. There's a lot less sleep. There's a lot less energy. I think by the time we had four sons, we'd completely given up on the sports analogy, the basketball analogy altogether. We decided to just take every day as it comes. You know, some days we get sleep and we have energy, and some weeks we don't. Today, we're going to kick off our series by addressing an important question. What is the most important factor in parenting? If you were to read 10 different books on the topic of parenting, you'd likely get 10 different answers to this question. If someone asked you this question, you might say, well, the most important factor in parenting is bringing my kids to church each week. Or you might say, it's helping my kids get a good education, teaching them to be responsible or helping them land a good job someday. You might even say, the most important factor in parenting is helping my kids build healthy relationships and showing them how to treat other people with kindness. Again, these are all great things, but friends, there's something that should take priority above everything that I just said. Let's start by addressing the question directly. Number one, if you're taking notes, the most important factor in parenting is having a sincere faith in Jesus. It's for mom and dad to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 1 Verses 3 through 5. This will be a familiar text. We looked at this on Mother's Day. The Apostle Paul wrote 2 Timothy as a letter to a young pastor by the name of, you guessed it, Timothy. This is what he said. Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we're together again. And then verse 5, Paul said this, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. 
living in a prison cell, the Apostle Paul was led by the Holy Spirit to write 2 Timothy as a final set of instructions for this young pastor, Timothy, as he pastored the church in Ephesus. Paul wrote this letter as a way to pass the torch to a new generation of church leaders. He wanted to encourage Timothy and remind him to remain bold in his faith, to be faithful with his mission, and to continue to preach and teach the word of God as he kept his focus on Jesus. At the very beginning of this letter, Paul reminded Timothy about how he remembered his genuine faith in the Lord. There's a better translation for that word genuine, and it's the word sincere. In the Greek, it's a really fun word to say, anipokritau, anipokritau. This is a really fun word. There's a great story that goes along with the word as well. In the first century Roman world, merchants would set up tents to sell handmade items along the road. This would have been like a modern-day flea market or even a farmer's market. Many of these merchants would sell pottery that would be used for holding water. As you walked through the different tents, you would have noticed some of the merchants advertising their pottery as sincere pottery. There were a lot of dishonest merchants in the first century, like there's a lot of dishonest people today. These dishonest merchants would sell pottery that had cracks in them. And to cover up the imperfections, they would fill the cracks with wax. But after using the pottery just a handful of times, water would start to leak through the wax. The honest merchants advertised their pottery as sincere because they were without wax. They didn't have any cracks that needed to be covered up. One of the main reasons that Timothy had a sincere faith Anipokritau, genuine faith, was because it was passed down to him from family members who went before him. The sincere faith that Timothy's grandmother and mother had was real. It wasn't fake. It wasn't counterfeit. It wasn't just something they said they believed. It was alive in their family, and it affected every aspect of their daily lives. Friends, I believe that I'm a pastor today largely because of the sincere faith that I witnessed in the lives of other people when I was a new believer. Having a sincere faith doesn't mean that you're perfect and without any cracks or blemishes. It's quite the opposite, and that's the whole point of this illustration. Having a sincere faith means that your faith is real, that it's it's genuine, that it's not counterfeit. God's desire for your life is that you would have a sincere faith in Jesus. Not a counterfeit faith, but a sincere faith that's lived out in response to who God is and what he's done in your life. Because your life has been changed and is being transformed to be more like Jesus, that transformation should affect every area of your life. So the question is, what does all of this have to do with parenting? It only causes more harm to our children and our grandchildren when they see us acting one way at church on Sundays and then see us acting another way behind the walls of our homes. God wants our kids to have a front row seat to a sincere faith in action in every area of our lives, not just on Sunday mornings. Now again, sincere faith doesn't mean perfection. It just means that your faith is real. I was reminded about some statistics that help articulate the current season that our culture is in when it comes to faith in the church. Multiple surveys are taken every couple of years by organizations like the Barna Group and the State of Theology. These surveys are taken to help Christians have a better understanding of what Americans think about God, sin, and eternity. One of these studies surveyed young adults between the ages of 18 and 35, so millennials. 
And what's interesting about this study is that everyone who was surveyed said they're a Christian and said they were raised in a Christian home. Now, the results of this survey are really alarming. Here are a few of the statements and questions that the state of theology asked 18 to 35-year-olds and the answers that they received. So here's the first statement. The Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths but is not literally true. Now, this survey tells us that 48% of evangelical millennials agreed with that statement. I don't know what you think about that, but that's pretty alarming to me. Here's another statement. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. 30% of 18 to 35-year-olds said they agreed with that statement. Here's another one. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. 46% agreed with that. Here's another statement. God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 42% of evangelical Christians, 18 to 35, said they agreed with that statement. And then this was a new statement or question that was added in 2020. It's all about identity, being created in the image of God. The statement is this, that gender identity is a matter of choice. In 2020, 22% of evangelical Christians, 18 to 35, said they agreed with that statement. Why do I share these statistics with you? Well, these surveys were taken to give a more accurate picture of the theological temperature in our country. The results continue to show that there is widespread confusion about what the Bible actually says. We have a lot of people who say they believe the Bible, but they're living contrary to what God's Word teaches. There are a lot of people living a counterfeit faith. Many of the young people that I've talked with over the past 15 years have said they have no desire to go to church because they saw their parents smiling and worshiping on Sunday and then verbally abused them on Monday. Friends, that's why demonstrating a sincere faith in Jesus to our children is so important. No one is perfect. There's not a perfect parent listening to the podcast today. But when we have a sincere faith, a genuine faith, It affects every part of our lives, not just on Sunday. A lot of these statistics sound kind of negative, and some of them are. So I would add that I also know a lot of young people who have a sincere faith in Jesus because it was modeled in their home growing up, the kind of sincere faith that was handed down to Timothy. So the most important factor in parenting is having a sincere faith in Jesus. Number two, parenting is not about being perfect. It's about relying on a perfect Savior. So being the parent that God has called you to be is not about perfection. It never has been. It never will be. If perfection was the goal, every single one of us would fall short every single day. Being the parent that God has called you to be is about relying on a perfect Savior. It's about recognizing that we all do have cracks in our lives, and that's okay. And it's okay for our children to know that we're not perfect. I don't know about you, but there are weeks when I go to church on Sunday— I'm encouraged by other believers. I'm reminded about God's truths and the promises that are found in his word. And then halfway through the week, I start to leak again, just like a waxed up piece of pottery. As parents, we are in constant need of God's grace and forgiveness in our lives. Sometimes it's good to be reminded about how God is still working on us. And it's okay for our children to see that process. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, this is our memory verse for the week. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, 
will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. This is an amazing promise. And I believe this verse is what parenting and the Christian life is all about. This is what a sincere faith looks like. It's knowing that we're not perfect, but that we rely on a perfect Savior. It's not about trying to cover up the cracks on Sunday morning and then living differently throughout the week. It's about building our lives on the promise that God is who he says he is and the promise that he's not done with us. Making pottery takes time, and God's plan is to mold you towards completion. I love this verse in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. Isaiah wrote, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We all are formed by your hand. Some pottery might have more cracks than others, but when we're sincere in our faith, we allow Jesus to be the one to fill the cracks. We don't try to fill them on our own. That's what I love about the church, or at least what the church is supposed to be. We should be able to come as we are on Sundays and rely on God to do what only he can do in our lives. The sincerity of our faith is lost on our kids when they see us worshiping one way on Sunday and then acting another way throughout the rest of the week. So parenting is not about perfection. It's not about being perfect. It's about relying on a perfect Savior. Number three, if you're taking notes, faith is caught as well as taught. We read about this truth in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is known as the Shema and has been recited as a prayer every morning and every evening by millions of Jewish families for generations. Most theologians actually agree that this has been the most well-known and most often read passage of Scripture throughout the generations, even more so than John 3.16. These verses set a pattern that helps us think about and relate to the Word of God in our daily lives. We were created to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We were created to hide his truths in our hearts and to impress those truths on our children. Now, when you hear that word impress, most people think about forcing faith on our kids. But that's not what this is saying. The word impress in this context literally means to make an impression by the way that you live. That completely changes the way that we read this passage. I want to suggest to you today that as parents, we're called to make an impression by the way that we live for Jesus. We're absolutely called to teach our children about God, to teach our kids about his word. That instruction is crucial and it should come from the home. But we should also take seriously the call and responsibility of modeling faith for our children. Faith is caught as well as taught. We demonstrate a sincere faith by the way that we live for Jesus in the home, at work, at the Little League game. You know, when all the other parents are yelling at the umpire, how are you responding? And wherever else we go, we make an impression by the way that we live. In closing, I want to give you some practical ways that you can impress faith on your children. Number one, talk about spiritual things at home. 
Talk about how God is working in your everyday life. And how did God give you the words to say when you were angry at that coworker? How is God helping you to restore a relationship? Why are you praying for certain needs that you have and the needs of others? How is God using you to care for and serve the people around you? Talk about how God is working in your everyday life, the good times and the hard times. Give your kids a front row seat to who God is and what he's doing. Number two, pray with your children and then give them the opportunity to pray. A lot of times when families come together, we don't even think about this. The adults just take the lead in praying before you eat a meal and when there's an illness in the family. And this is a good thing, but we can also learn a lot about what's going on in the hearts and minds of our children when we give them the opportunity to pray. It also teaches them that prayer is just having a conversation with God, and they can talk to God anytime, wherever they go. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and then thank Him for all He has done. So this, too, should be a life verse for the families in our church. We want to be people of prayer. We want to be a church uh, that relies on God through prayer. Number three, have a designated time when the word of God is read and taught at home. Some helpful resources for our family have been anything from the Answers in Genesis ministry. This is the organization that built the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. Ken Ham, the Answers in Genesis CEO, has written several children's books alongside other Christian pastors, counselors, historians, and even scientists. Their children's books are a great way to get your family in the Word together and to kick off a consistent family devotional time. So talking about how God is working in your life, that'll give your children a front row seat to how faith is being lived out in the home. Making prayer a priority allows our children to share what's on their hearts and on their minds. It teaches them that prayer is just having a conversation with God and reading God's word, having a family devotional time. That's going to help keep your family in God's word. It keeps Jesus at the center. These are just three practical ways that you can impress faith on the lives of your children and your grandchildren. I think they're great ways to pass down faith to the next generation. These are great ways to show your children that God is good, that he is who he says he is, that he's interested in every part of their lives. God wants you to have a sincere faith in Jesus. That's the most important factor in parenting. Remember, that doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it does mean that you rely on a perfect Savior. Modeling and teaching a sincere faith is so important for our children because faith is caught as well as taught. So I want to encourage you to look for opportunities to share with your children about how God is working in your life. Give them the opportunity to share what's on their hearts, on their minds, by bringing their own requests to God through prayer. And have a designated time each day where the Word of God is read in your home.